0: It's always good to be back at Black Rock and worship with you. I worked my way through college by working in my dad's grocery store. And I loved the grocery business, I loved the merchandising, I loved taking care of the fruit and vegetables, uh, stocking the shelves, and even teasing the customers a little bit. We had one customer, a lady, that I knew her very well. And one day, I don't know what got into me, but she had her carriage, and she would put in a pound of coffee. While she was getting the sugar, I'd put the coffee back on the shelf. And I followed her up and down the aisles, and after about 15 or 20 minutes, she got to the checkout counter with one item in her basket. Now, I never did that again because my dad had a little talk with me about it, but I I loved it. The only thing I did not like about the grocery business was that every year between Christmas and New Year's, we had to take inventory, and that was just a laborious thing. Somebody had a pad, and we'd count. Eight at 239. And we'd go on, seven at 50, and so forth. And it ruined the whole week between Christmas and New Year's. And we even had to work on New Year's Day to take inventory. I talked to my dad about it. I said, why do we have to do this? It's so so awful. I don't enjoy it. And he said, son, we have to know what we have. We have to know what we owe. We have to know what's coming in. It's the only way to stay in business. And that made a lot of sense to me. I have a friend who went to visit her grandmother who was, I think, 102 years old. And when she walked in, grandma was reading her Bible very, very carefully. And my friend said to her grandmother, Grammy, what are you doing? She said, I'm cramming for finals. (laughs) Well, I hope I am not cramming for finals. But you know what? I have been asking myself some serious, serious questions over the past few weeks. And what I'd like to do this morning is to challenge each one of you to ask yourself the same questions. And if we come up with the right answers, it could change our lives. The first question <clears throat> that I ask myself is, am I truly a Christian? In 2 Corinthians thirteen five, it says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith test yourselves you know i have a feeling that many many people in america think they are christians but they're really not they're being deluded and that's a very serious thing i had to do a funeral once of a man i i knew who he was I knew he lived a very, very sinful life, never went to church. And so I asked the family as, as tactfully as I could, was he a believer in Christ? And the answer was, oh, yes, oh, yes. He raised his hand in vacation Bible school when he was four years old. And I thought, oh, how tragic because it didn't change his life it didn't show any faith in Christ but they thought he was a Christian other people think I'm a Christian because I was baptized or I'm a Christian because I'm a church member or I'm a Christian because I try to do good things and I hope my good is going to outweigh my bad and and yes I I think that I'm a Christian But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. And to those who do not do his will, I will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. He also said in verse 20, by their fruits, you shall know them. In Mark 7, 6, Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Have you ever bought some fruit juice and then looked at the label when you got home? It's supposed to be delicious mango juice. And you read the contents. They're all artificial. And the mango artificial flavoring is about 6% of what's in the bottle. You know, I asked myself this question. Am I Jesus flavored or am I a Jesus follower? It makes a tremendous difference. I invited Jesus into my heart when I was 10 years old. I was baptized and a couple of years later I joined the church. I think I knew what I was doing at that time And I loved Jesus, but then I eventually turned 17, and I found that the world had all kinds of sins, all kinds of temptations, things I never even knew about when I was 10 years old, and I felt myself being drawn into the world. And at age 17, I asked myself this question, am I truly a christian for i knew that the decisions that i would make from then on were going to determine the course of my life and i praise god that at age 17 i recommitted my life to jesus christ oh i've had to do it some other times too the night that my wife was going to have brain surgery. The surgeon said, half the people that have your problem die before they get to the hospital. The half that get to the hospital die on the operating table. And almost all of those who've come through the operation have a life-term disability. That was the longest night of my life. And I had to ask myself again, do I really trust Jesus? I'm down to the line now. This is where the rubber hits the road. Do I really trust Jesus? That question can change your life. When Marion was in the Gordon College Choir... I I was never invited to join. I don't know why. (laughs) Some of you do, I know. But anyhow, she was in the choir and they sang a song that I loved and I've remembered it all of these years. Here's how it went. I had walked life's pathway with easy tread, had followed where comfort and pleasure led. And then, as by chance in a quiet place, I met my master face to face. With station and rank and wealth as my goal, much thought for body, but none for soul, I had entered to win in life's mad race when I met my master face to face. I had built my castles and reared them high until their towers had reached the sky. I had sworn to rule with an iron mace when I met my master face to face. I met him and knew him and blushed to see that his eyes of sorrow were fixed on me. I faltered and fell at his feet that day, and all my castles vanished and melted away, and in their place I saw but Jesus' face. My master and I, met face-to-face in that sweet place. Oh, dear friend, have you met Jesus? It's not religion. It's knowing Jesus that is the real crucial issue. Ask yourself, am I truly a Christian? The second question that I've been asking myself over and over is, am I living the way I should? Lamentations 3.40 says, let us examine our ways and test them. And the Apostle Paul wrote about taking communion and said a man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. It is well, even though it's not pleasant, to ask ourselves the question, am I living the way I should? And that includes testing our affections. The risen Christ said to the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2, 4, I have one thing against you, You have forsaken your first love. Yesterday, my wife and I attended the wedding of our grandson. What a happy occasion. And he is so in love, and she is so in love with him. I've married many of you. I think I've had... 311 weddings i think it was and i've seen couples just madly in love with each other on that day and then through the years almost imperceptively something has happened and the love has disappeared jesus said that's what you did to me you have forsaken Your first love. And then we need to test our actions. Galatians 6.4 says each one should test his own actions. But you know what? The world has a way of invading into our hearts. Yes, even the hearts of Christians. And again, it comes gradually, comes almost imperceptibly. But we give a little here and give up a little here and a little here. And soon, we too have lost our first love. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Romans, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You probably know the the old illustration. If you drop a frog into boiling water, he'll jump right out. But put him in cool water, turn on the heat, and gradually increase the temperature, and he will die right there. Do I need to make the application? That's what we do with sin. We have a little and a little and a little more. And soon, we don't demonstrate the life of Christ. Jesus prayed in John 17, I have left my disciples in the world, but they are not of the world. A boat is made to be in the water, but not to have the water in the boat. When I was a boy, you could tell, in most cases, you could tell a real Christian by what they did and what they didn't do. But I have the tragic feeling that in our day, Those lines have been all kind of smudged. And Christians are living just like the people in the world. Here's the question. If I were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? The question, am I living the way I should? The third question, can I face persecution? Jesus said in Mark 10, 38, to his disciples and hence to us, can you be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Now, he didn't mean his water baptism by John the Baptist. He tells us what he meant in verse 33. The Son of Man will be betrayed, condemned to death, mocked, spat upon, flogged, and killed. And then he said, and that's going to happen to you too. In John 15, 20, he said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. In Luke 21, 12, Jesus said, they will deliver you to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. Jesus did not sugarcoat his invitation to follow him. I recently ran across a Pony Express recruiting poster in 1860. Wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be expert riders willing to risk death daily. Orphans preferred. There's no way to recruit, is it? And yet, scores and scores of young men responded to that ad and became the riders in the Pony Express. Jesus didn't soften his invitation to follow him. He said, if you follow me, you will take up your cross. Daily. And follow me. And if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Today, Pastor Saeed Aberdini sits in an Iranian prison. He's been there two and a half years. He's been tortured. You know what his crime was? His only crime was professing Jesus Christ and preaching him. In the Sudan, Miriam Ibrahim was sentenced to receive 100 lashes and then to be executed. By God's grace, she is free now. But she had to live in that situation. ISIS comes into a town. They line up the people and they say Muslims over here, Christians over here. And people have to make a big decision. And when they line up as Christians, they are either shot or beheaded. I have a friend who is a Christian in a closed country. One day his friend asked to borrow his car. He he stopped at a stop sign. A motorcycle pulled up beside him and shot him to death. And my friend realized that he was really the target. It was a mistake that they had shot someone else. And I said to him, are you going back? He said, of course I'm going back. I'm serving Christ. He called me there. Nothing is going to keep me from going back. Susan Carson, who grew up in this church, serves Christ in Nigeria. One day, I heard her speak in a a Sunday school class, and she told how Boko Haram comes in and just slaughters people, kidnaps girls, all kinds of things. I said to her, are you going back? And she said, of course I'm going back. Jesus, called me to Nigeria, and if I have to die there, I will die there for Christ. A few years ago, a demented person broke into Columbine High School in Colorado. He went through the school asking students, do you believe in Jesus? If they said no, he let them live. If they said yes, he shot them on the spot. He came to a sweet little 17-year-old girl, Rachel Scott, a leader in the school, vivacious, athletic, student. He said to her she was under a table, hiding, He said to her, are you a Christian? Will you renounce Jesus Christ? And little Rachel Scott said, I will never deny Jesus Christ. And he shot her right there. A Christian, following what he believed to be his Christian conscience, did something And the government of the United States of America fined him $130,000 trying to force him out of business. Friends, it is coming. And we better be ready for it. And I ask myself, am I ready to be persecuted for the sake of Jesus Christ? I saw a movie recently. It's just a real short clip. But a pastor and his wife picked up a hitchhiker. And then when they had driven a short distance, the hitchhiker took out a gun. And he said, pull over to the side. He said to the pastor, you get out. He said to the wife, you stay there in the car. He took him down a hill. He said, kneel by that rock. The pastor knelt and... And the, the man put the gun right up to his head and, and said to, to the pastor, would you die for Jesus Christ right now? And the wife is screaming in the car and the man is trembling. And finally he said, I, I, I wish I could, but I can't. And the man put the gun up to his own head and He pulled the trigger. He had no bullets in it. He was testing the man. And he said, I thought maybe I'd find one person who had enough faith in Jesus Christ to help me. But you're not the one. And he went on his way. I've asked myself a dozen times, if I were the pastor, how would I have responded." See, I'm no I'm no brave hero. I'm no great role model. I've had it easy. But when I ask myself the question, really makes me think. But one story really encourages me. George Wishart, a Christian back about 300 years ago, was being persecuted in England, and he was told, tomorrow you will be burned at the stake. That night, his cellmate heard him scream. He said, George, what's wrong? George said, I'm I'm going to be condemned to to be burned at the stake tomorrow. So I put my finger in the flame of one candle and I pulled it out. I couldn't stand it. I'm so afraid I'm going to deny my Lord tomorrow. His cellmate said, don't worry. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And the next day, as they led George Wishart to be burned at the stake, he was singing hymns, and he sang them until he passed out in the flames. Are we ready to suffer persecution? The disciples said in Acts 5, 41, We rejoice that we have been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name the name of Jesus. The final question I'm asking myself is, are you ready to die? Because it has been said truly, no one is ready to live until they are ready to die. In the book of Acts, chapter 7, Stephen was stoned to death for his faith in Christ. And just his, his final words, he, he looked up into heaven and he said, I see the Son of God standing, obviously, to welcome him into heaven. He was ready to die. The Apostle Paul wrote to his son, young son Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 the time has come for my departure I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith the Lord will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom to him be glory forever and ever some people have asked me well Don't you, don't you fear death? And my honest answer is this. Hey, I think about it. And yes, I have some anxious feelings. I've never died before. I don't know what it's going to be exactly like. But then I think, wait a minute. I think I know more than I thought I did. Because, you see, I graduated from Gordon College one night, way back in 1953. The next morning, I got on the U- SS United States to sail to Europe, where I was going to be part of a Youth for Christ team, helping uh, post-war Europe. And when, when we docked, we got on the boat train to go into the city And all of a sudden, I was gripped with some fear. And I thought, what if my friend is not there to meet me? I don't know. London. I was just a country boy from Rhode Island. I'd never traveled in my life. And and I thought, what if he's not there? And I had this anxious feeling. And I walked into that cavernous train station. And I, I looked around, and I didn't see him. And for a minute I panicked until I heard a voice saying stand over here and all my panic was gone and I believe with all my heart that when I take my last breath that I'm going to hear a voice saying stand over here and I'll see my savior and I'll be with him, and I'm ready to die. Are you? Oh, friends, these are the most critical questions that you will ever ask yourself, and the answers are of the utmost importance. Will you think about it? Will you think seriously about it? Ask those questions. Get into the word of God. Talk with God in prayer. And come up with the right answers.